This is Ben Flanagan from the Movie Talk Show. You're listening to WVUA-FM 90.7 Tuscaloosa. I don't want to get paid to lose. I want to win! 90.7! <laughs> From the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, you're listening to Aspect Radio. I'm Corey Kraft. And I'm Ben Flanagan, and Corey, today is a special day. You know why? I, I think I do, Ben. It's One. the day after Nightmare on Elm Street has finally <laughs> hit theaters. Um, and I think it's important that we just jump right into it. <laughs> furry Vengeance, man. Well, Furry Vengeance, too. Yeah. Um, we... Uh, <laughs> Okay. Uh, we haven't seen a box office duel like this in years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we were all. It's just in our lifetime, I guess, is the uh, the headline. Uh, so, but uh, Corey did see Nightmare on Elm Street. But I uh, know, all joking aside, uh, it is a very special day. Um, you can catch in uh, Tusk Magazine and the Tuscaloosa News. You might have seen on page four a headline that said "Wedding Bells Are Ringing," and it was a column that I wrote from my Been Around column. And uh, I'm actually getting married today. Woo. Yeah. I mean, I'll clap uh, as well. Let me see. Uh, yeah, anyway. But, uh, yeah, I'm getting married today to uh, the lovely Tess Foster, my uh, fiance, wife-to-be, this afternoon or this evening. Is she and, listening? Uh, uh, I doubt it. <laughs> I highly doubt it. I had to ask permission to, uh, you know, let her. Let, I had to ask permission to uh, do this show today. And, uh, you know, that was enough, so I doubt she's listening. She's getting ready, or she's still sleeping, I would assume. But um, before we uh, jump right into our movie discussion, we had a little, uh, you know, we, we, we had our rehearsal dinner last night with the family and everything like that, and that, w- that was a good time. Then we jumped over to uh, the booth um, out there on uh, off of University Boulevard. It's, you know, not the University Boulevard on the Strip that everybody was used to back in the day, but we... Uh, went to the uh, new location which is more towards downtown off of 21st avenue i believe and uh we enjoyed deacon green an old local band an old favorite of mine and grams as well uh maybe a little bit before Corey's time i think that's possible yeah uh but they're a local band uh terrific stuff they came back reunited uh to play a show and it, it was good stuff somebody uh remarked to me during the show they came up to me and said uh Check it out. 2004's Band of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> and here they are again. But it was an awesome show, and I was glad to see them. Uh, they've, they've uh, you know, been a part of this station for many years, and we've played their music, uh, and we still do. I mean, I still I still look in the audio library, and I see Threshold and Spectre and uh, all the old Deacon Green hits, so I was really glad to see that. They were great. Yeah, they were awesome. They still had it, and they sounded better than ever, and they hadn't played in two years, and they're just polished musicians. What else do you expect? So I appreciate that from them. Uh, but, you know, we're here to talk movies, and uh, what we're going to do today uh, because it's appropriate, we're going to talk weddings in movies. Not necessarily wedding movies, they certainly qualify, but uh, we're going to offer our favorite movie weddings, just the ceremonies uh, in movies. Again, they don't have to be uh, themed necessarily. Uh, so Corey's list is, you might have to exclude the wedding planner. Um, <laughs> his all time favorite movie wedding and movie. 
Uh, so and movie novelization. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're gonna have to skip that one. Maybe that it's gonna be. And for me, that's the uh, that's his wedding planner memorial list. And uh, for me, I, as I wrote in the column yesterday, it's the Godfather memorial list because I mean, and we can talk about this for a second. Um, I you know this is arguably the most famous movie wedding I think there might be, other than you know people might just throw out the sort of easy picks like Father of the Bride, maybe the Spencer Tracy version, maybe the Steve Martin version, but just movies that are about weddings. I think that this, the wedding that you see in the original Godfather for the first half hour of the movie or so is really just kind of like what gets the masterpiece started, you know? It's kind of the lifeblood early on where you see Don Corleone working his magic from his office during the wedding and you just kind of Coppola just kind of cuts back and forth between the actual ceremony it's like they filmed an actual wedding and just documented it uh, it was really neat and uh, it, it was really unique to me I'd never seen anything like that where we were just watching this party on screen you, you know the other thing that comes close to it uh, is Deer Hunter yeah where there's, I, yeah the wedding lasts for probably like an hour I was actually going to to compare the Godfather and the Deer Hunter as sort of this 70s style of, of naturalistic filmmaking that we don't really see anymore. Yeah. I think the closest example we've seen lately is uh, is up in the air, and I don't want to step on anybody's toes if that's coming up in, a, in a, you know one of our lists. Not um, mine. No, it's not mine either. But it is a, it is a good recent example of, of how that um, how that can be done. And it, I don't know. It's 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 kind of interesting to think about because you don't really see filmmakers take their time like that anymore. Yeah, uh, I agree. You know, in kidding aside about Up in the Air, I do like that movie, and I really like that sequence in that yeah, movie. Yeah, I uh, do too. It's I accompanied do. by the Sad, Br- Sad Brad Smith song, uh-huh. uh, Help Yourself, which we've played on this show before. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed that. It, it was a point in the movie where, you know, it kind of it was kind of hitting its groove, so to right. speak. You know, in, in a way, a lot of pe- I think a lot of people uh, are lost during the sort of aside uh, where they take the trip for the wedding. I think it, some people think the wheels might come off, but I enjoyed that sequence. I think I think that I prefer that sequence to the beginning of the film when it sort of, in my opinion, kind of jumps hap- haphazardly between the uh, Anna Kendrick storyline and the Vera Farmiga storyline. Yeah, and I also like the wedding sequence better than the the dance party sequence in the movie, which is also pretty long, where they yeah. crash that yeah. corporate conference gig. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Graham, have you seen The Deer Hunter? I don't think I should uh, answer this without the presence of my lawyer. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, if it, if it's any consolation, Graham, I've seen the Deer Hunter, and I don't especially like the Deer Hunter. I, I guess I can say that on the radio. I, I like the, I like the Deer Hunter. It's just so like gloomy and uh, kind of dull from time to time. Uh, but uh, and it, I mean, the fact that it's a Best Picture winner, uh, and whether or not it was just because it was a you know hard hitting. Uh, edgy Vietnam film right. uh, about you know grief and uh, PTSD, you know whatever. But I mean, you do get a great Christopher Walken performance. Oh yeah. Uh, but just in terms of the wedding, I mean, if if you've seen the movie, you know why we're talking about this. At the beginning, you see this wedding of one of the guys that, uh, or in all the uh, the guys who go to Vietnam, they're all groomsmen, and mm-hmm. one of the guys, uh, I think the guy who gets married, he he's he is going to Vietnam. I think um, it's uh, John Savage's character. That's correct. Yes, and. Uh, but the wedding lasts for like literally 40 minutes to an hour and you're just sitting there watching these guys party that's it they're just enjoying the reception it's one of these uh, i think it's like an irish catholic type deal something like that uh where you know it's it's very festive and they're like raising people up in chairs and stuff like that and uh but see where i think it falls short where the godfather didn't was 
the deer hunter's not interested in interspersing these moments of plot and uh, character right. introduction. Yeah. The movie barely, uh, you know, develops any characters at all. But when the when you see the Godfather, you're seeing this wedding. But then you're also going back to Vito Corleone's office where he's doing business, and you get these great scenes where uh, the the actor from Hollywood is begging, you know, him to talk to the studio. Or uh, the first scene in the <coughs> the first scene in the entire movie where uh, the guy comes in and he tells him, "I'm going to call upon you later." But anyway, that's uh, that's why I think you know you've kind of got your greatest wedding on screen, and that's why we can't. It's kind of in uh, the pantheon of weddings, and so we can't really talk about it anymore. But I mean, Corey, if you want to just start off by uh, giving us one from your uh, list of favorite weddings off the top of your head, yeah. Um, well, first, I want to mention another wedding that probably should have been excluded from discussion, just mm-hmm. because I think this might be the second most iconic wedding scene in the history of film, and I'm talking, of course, about uh, Mike Nichols, the Graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, Benjamin Braddock crashes uh, the the Robinson wedding uh, and uh, pounds on the uh, the glass window at the top of the chapel for Elaine, um, it's really I mean it's a really iconic scene. And then of course Benjamin and Elaine leave their wed leave her wedding um, in a particularly dramatic fashion. It's I mean it's just it's just one of those things that uh, that caught the public imagination for whatever reason. Yeah. But I mean, it's a great scene too, and it, it, is. it has a, it, it sets up uh, one of the better endings I think um, in film history. Yeah, it's great, and that's that's one of my favorite movies ever, top five ever, and uh, or top ten. And uh, I uh, I was talking to somebody last night who had read uh, the Tusk column, and they were like, "How could you include this?" I won't <laughs> say what it was because I'll get to that. But they were like, "But not the Graduate," you know? <laughs> and I was just like, "I'm sorry, man. Like, nothing personal." Well, we were at the uh, rehearsal yesterday in the uh-huh. church um, downtown, and you know that that movie and that that scene is is so burned in my mind that I was, you know, thinking, okay, we were going through the the rundown of the the uh, ceremony, and I said, okay, now cue Benjamin Braddock uh, banging on the glass and I looked up to see if there was a, a place where that could work you know uh, and there is indeed this like stained glass window at the back of oh, the uh, <laughs> at the back of the uh, sanctuary that, that would work so maybe we'll see I mean <laughs> we might have a sp- surprise guest today <laughs> it might I just don't think the, are, are the buses even running anymore oh, it, might, it might alleviate some stress I'm sorry that's my phone We're is that, is that goosey. I think that's mom saying we need you to go, like, pick up a bunch of wooden beams or something. Yeah, well, Graham, why don't you uh, go ahead and uh, round, you know, sound off one of your favorite movie weddings while I take this call. Well, mine was The Graduate. I'm sorry. So, Corey we stole can, mine. We can talk about that some more if you'd like. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I think Ben, uh, in his column in The Tusk yesterday, did a great job of, of rounding up a, a bunch of good ones, and, and my... Uh, the one I enjoyed was the wedding from Braveheart. How about that, huh? Like secret wedding at, at, at uh, kind of sun up, you know, that, that um, kind of uh, from there the whole narrative of Braveheart springs forward. Uh, he, he is basically fighting to avenge the death of this woman. And it is a beautifully shot scene by John Toll, who, uh, if I'm not mistaken, won the Oscar for Best Cinematography in 1995 uh, for Braveheart. Um, and I haven't watched Braveheart in a while. And I think I liked it. it's on Blu-ray, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, so, it is. I haven't seen it in a while. Um, 
I think John Toll winning the Best Cinematography Oscar was one of the more deserving Oscars that that movie picked up that year. Uh, to say nothing. What of, is that uh, supposed to mean? I, I don't particularly like Brave Heart. You, were you really? pulling, were you pulling yeah. for Babe that year? I wasn't pulling for anything. I was what? I was nine years old. I didn't care. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it was Babe. Since uh, since and Billy, Holly 13. Holly 13. Il Postino. Yeah. Uh, of of the nominees, I definitely prefer Sense and Sensibility and Il Postino. Wow. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, That's a strong field uh, it was. in 1995. Yeah, is a great movie. Il Postino's great. And, yeah, but didn't it win Best Score, too, that year? Braveheart? Or no, Il, Il Postino. Postino. I don't know. That's I think, I think it did. Right, um, yeah. Massimo Troisi was nominated, yeah. and he would have won a posthumous, posthumous Oscar, Oscar. Yeah, if he'd yeah. won. Uh, but, I, you know, if I, if I had a second place, I think that... Apollo 13 is Ron Howard's masterpiece, and if people even think that Ron Howard has a masterpiece for the haters out there, I think Apollo 13 is just a great piece oh, of it American is. It is. storytelling. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to divert just a minute, because mm-hmm. I think Ron Howard's best film is Cinderella Man. I think that's up there. Yeah. I love that movie. I love it. Yeah. I wish it really... Sort of totally ignored upon its release in 2005, even though 2005 was a really great year. It had it film. been released in December, it would have gotten a Best Picture nomination. You think? Yes, absolutely. I think people just totally over forgot about it. Well, over Munich or Capote. You I know. love Capote. Capote's all right. Not Best Picture material. Well, speaking of Cinderella Man, uh, it hasn't been totally forgotten because our own coach, Nick Saban, Oh, that's right. That's that right. That's to the right. Team. I read about that, and yeah. I was so happy. Yeah, because that's that's an exceptionally good, good film. It's to a show great movie. Team. He, you know, you know, Saban is kind of a film buff. Yeah, and and you read his book, and he talks about you know it's a big deal. It isn't just let's go watch a movie on Friday night, which is the Alabama tradition, uh-huh. is, and maybe it's for all football teams is the tradition of let's go to the movie theater and and just get your mind off of whatever. No, he. He specifically picks out the movie, and then has a speech like before and after, you know, uh, you know, relating to basically saying, okay, watch this movie, and then apply this to the game tomorrow. Yeah. So he in the book in Saban's book, which is highly recommended. It was it was written after he won the uh, championship at LSU, but it's a, it's an excellent read. Uh, he talks about uh, he goes on for a long time about Last Samurai. <laughs> but he he sold me of course i mean he could sell you know what uh you know what you know what i mean and uh and he sold me i wasn't a fan of last samurai but then you know after reading his little chapter about it i'm like i love that flick you want to watch it again yeah. right An- another movie with a with a great uh with great cinematography by john toll actually everything comes full it circle. does it does and that's uh, an academy award cinematography academy award nominated cinematography not a great movie though i have to say um I'll, I'll, I'll have to read the book you'd say that to Saban's I'd, face i'll have to read the book i remember one press conference he had he was there asking him about like his downtime what he did he was like i just like to go home I, you know i just like to relax and uh i just want to put in a harry potter movie or something <laughs> serious all right yeah i look i yeah. <laughs> what does he wear? Have you guys seen his? Sometimes he's at a press conference and he's wearing this like this sweater that looks like a a bad stand up comedian would wear. You know what I'm talking about? It's like multicolored with like vertical stripes. It looks like it looks like the sweater that Buckles from Seinfeld would wear. All I'm saying is the first time I saw that sweater, I went out and bought one of my own. <laughs> I would too. I would yeah. I would get one for every day of the week. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty bad, but, you know, he can do what he wants, he I can. reckon. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I mean, 
<laughs> back to movie weddings. Uh, not really. Back to Ron Howard, Corey. Um, I think that the uh, and just to slide this in there because it needs to be said. Mm-hmm. 2001 was kind of a travesty uh, at the Oscars, just in terms of Beautiful Mind winning Best Picture uh, when it was just clearly over all four clearly superior. I don't know about Mulan Rouge, uh, but oh man. Um, I mean, look, Fellowship of the Rings should have won that year. Yeah, uh, totally. It's, clear. it's the best Lord of the Rings movie it should have won. And uh, what else was on in the bedroom? In the bedroom, which might be one of my favorite movies of 2001, yes. if not the favorite. And that's kind of crazy to say with Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Also being was major. Monsters Ball nominated for Best Picture? No. no. Okay. Okay. Neither was Training Day and neither was Iris, <laughs> <laughs> which stole Best Supporting Actor from Ian McKellen that year. Jim yeah. Broadbent. You know, I still haven't seen Iris. <laughs> well, that I know reminds what you're doing me tonight. Yeah, 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 I'm going home and I'm, I'm throwing on I'm sure. On Iris. I am sure. I am positive that it is available at the Tuscaloosa Public Library. I, you know, I'm sure it is, but the sad thing it, is I own Iris. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you, well, you're right about one thing. It is sad. <laughs> But I guarantee you, not a good movie. I don't know. Like it's an Oscar winner, man. It's an Oscar winner. Yeah, Kate Winslet, Judy Dench, multiple Oscar nominee. Is there's there's nudity in it, from what I've heard. So (laughs) some parts are good. Um, I don't know if that involves Jim Broadbent. Isn't it from the director of Notes on a Scandal? Yeah, Richard Richard Gere. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you got that going for you. But yeah, I guarantee that that movie is neither checked out or on hold at the public (laughs) library. Well, he owns it, so. And maybe it's probably being used as a doorstop at your local movie gallery. What what movie gallery? There are no movie galleries <laughs> are anymore. Now? I don't think there. I think any the last th- one is going out of business now. But don't the uh, don't the the chairs at uh, the that the coaches and players sit on at the uh, Alabama basketball games still say movie gallery play I on? I, I don't know. I think I think Nick Saban should <laughs> show Iris to the team before <laughs> the next football game. It'll pump him up. He'll find a way for it to pump him he up. He would psych them out, and they would all be like quoting the lines. Like Marcel Darius would be like <laughs> they, thinking of Jim Broad something Jim Broad. Broadbent said as he like d- just totally destroyed some Duke player. They'd write Iris on their eye black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alright, we watched Iris before the game, alright, and look, these guys thought I was crazy, but I right, look, we went out there and beat Florida 60 to nothing, alright, all thanks to Iris. Uh, <laughs> I had Jim Broadbent come and speak to the players. <laughs> he, uh, his schedule was pretty full, alright. But when I make the call, he said, Nick, I'll do it for you. Um, <coughs> so, another favorite movie wedding of mine uh, was reinforced the other night, actually. Uh, I was watching AMC, uh, of all terrific classic movie channels. Um, AMC that I believe still shows the Laura, Tomb Raider, Laura Croft Tomb Raider sequels. <laughs> um, among other things. And American. Breaking Bad, so they they get some credit for that. Yeah, they're. I think they're... What that that means a hundred to a hundred plus zero divided by two is fifty. So I think it's a failing grade. <laughs> right. Um. But I mean, in baseball, that's good. Uh, Goodfellas was on, nice. and if you should watch Goodfellas, I don't know that it should be on AMC, uh, because half of the movie is literally silent because they don't bleep, they don't, they don't, uh, you know, edit it, and you know, put audio over it. They just they just cut the dialogue out. Uh-huh. It's just silent. And uh, but the violence remained intact, man. The Billy Bat scene, the wait, uh, really? Yeah, the pistol whipping scene in the driveway uh, when Karen was uh, harassed by that guy. 
what do you want, Blanco? <laughs> um, that, I mean, it was violent, man. I was watching it with uh, Tess, and I said, Tess, this, this part's going to be violent, but I bet it's going to be edited out, so don't worry about it. And then Ray Liotta, Ray Liotta just starts going crazy on this dude's face with the with the uh, pistol, and I was like, sorry. <laughs> that's, <laughs> you know? that's America for you, you know? Yeah. I mean, that we that they make, that they, they bleep, or they don't even bleep, but they edit out, you know, more than half the dialogue, but keep in a long shot of a guy being repeatedly pistol whipped yeah. in the face and it's bad too man <laughs> blood spurts out and it's yeah it's terrible <laughs> and i love it when ray Liotta points the guy at the gun he goes don't shoot you know what i'm talking about His one buddy, of the other preppy guys yeah, they're hanging out in their in their driveway like working on their car they're just looking at a hot rod yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty awesome but anyway like i had already written the column and the movie came on i was like sweet i hope i don't miss the uh the uh wedding scene um but anyway it, it reinforced it. Uh, hang on, I'm going to take this call. We're going to try to go to Home Depot. Talk amongst yourself. Mom. Jeez, Mom. You know, on the subject of, uh, of television editing or lack thereof, it, it came to my attention recently the Comedy Central shows uncut, like completely uncut movies and, and stand up shows yeah. after midnight. Uh, when I stumbled upon Team America, World Police, um, and when I when I turned on my television, I, I immediately thought, "There's no way this movie can be on." Uh, and then they started cursing, and I, I, you know that explained a lot. That, that explained completely why they were showing it. Yeah, um, you know, last night I hate to admit this on the air, but uh, we after the the booth after the Deacon Green show, um, our part of our crew uh, went and had a nightcap at a friend's house, and. Uh, we we turned on Comedy Central was on and um, Dane Cook was performing, and you know we were all like, "Oh, Dane Cook sucks, he's a loser." But then we like turned it up just to listen to what he said, and we were all laughing. <laughs> it uh, was pretty good. Let me uh, and it was totally uncut. Let me interject here for a second. I have uh, somebody on the line all who right. wants to uh, offer up his best movie wedding. Uh, so, uh, caller, you're on. Hey guys, what's up? This is Phil. What's up, Graham? <laughs> not not the Phil you know. This is uh this is the drummer from Deacon Green, Phil Donovan. Are you still up? I'm still up, man. Are you guys are you still might do an encore? Yeah, well we're <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. But yeah, I was just gonna add to your riveting movie discussion. Uh, <laughs> as y'all are on the air right now, you're missing one of the greatest movies of all time being Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. Turtles and oh Time. Oh my so. god. Hurry up and get off so you can catch it. <laughs> what channel is that on? Uh, ABC Family. <laughs> yeah. Phil, uh, thanks. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. And uh, it's good to have you and enjoy your Krispy Kreme. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was uh, Phil Donovan, the drummer for Deacon Green. <laughs> Neither a movie wedding nor, you know, a great movie, but... Uh, Anyway, he should be a regular caller on the show just to call you up and tell you what crappy movie is playing on ABC Family because if there's one thing I know about Phil, he will know. <laughs> well, anyway, I mean, uh, going back to Goodfellas before we take a quick break, a much-needed break, um, uh, it's, it's great. I mean, it's just it's hilarious. It's one of Martin Scorsese's funniest scenes ever, and uh, especially, um, you know, during... I love in this movie and in, in some of his other movies, Casino uh, particularly, he lets other characters narrate right. uh, other than you know the central character. And I think that you can make an argument for Goodfellas as the best narration in uh, movie history uh, done by Ray Liotta. But he lets Lorraine Bracco, uh, who plays Karen, Karen, uh, 
For this! Yeah. <laughs> For this! How does that feel? How does that feel? <laughs> um, but uh, he lets her narrate during the wedding sequence, among others. Uh, and she's, you know, she's pointing out how, uh, you know, everybody she meets on uh, Henry's side is either named Peter or Paul, and their daughters and wives are all named Marie. And it's just, it's great writing. And you see Catherine Scorsese uh, pop up uh, during a long take, and it's really, it's really hilarious. And they're playing a really terrific Harpoon song, "Life Is But a Dream," on a great soundtrack. And if you've ever listened to the Goodfellas soundtrack, you'll know that it's probably one twenty-fifth of uh, the music that's actually in the movie. It's like 12 songs, and there are literally like hundreds of songs in that movie. Well, speaking of that, I think I, I might be wrong here, but was the Goodfellas soundtrack the first CD you ever owned? No, the first CD I ever owned was Nirvana Nevermind. Really? Yeah, my dad gave it to me um, as a present. And uh, I remember I, I, but Goodfellas CD, I got some money, I think, or an allowance or birthday money, and... He was like, what do you want to do with it? And I said, well, I kind of want to buy a CD. And um, he took me up to Vinyl Solution on the Strip, uh, which I believe is now one of those uh, realty offices. No, it's the Pita Pit. Oh, is it? Vinyl Solution is the Pita Pit. Because it was Cheap Shots, right? No, or, no, 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 it's, no, no. It was, it, it was the it, Vinyl Solution. What was there before the Pita Pit? Um, was it at like a heady kind of chunky jewelry shop or something like Worldlands or so. something? Any, any was, we, but but yeah, that's the that's the spot. Yeah, we went to Vinyl Solution, uh, <laughs> which was a really great store. Um, just kind of this dingy little hole in the wall record store that had CDs too. And this was they, this was when CDs were still in those tall boxes. Yeah, you know those vertical boxes, or they if they weren't in the tall vertical boxes, they had like the the security. Mm -hmm. uh, things around them uh, made of plastic and uh, I was looking I went of course you know I loved movies even uh, when I was like six years old and I went straight to the soundtrack section you know what I mean because in a way I probably thought I was like getting the movie by getting the soundtrack and uh, <clears throat> I was like hey there's that movie that mom and dad wouldn't let us see Goodfellas you know and uh, we'll tell the story yeah. uh, behind uh, how we almost got to see Goodfellas in the theater uh, in 1990 yeah when I was wow. Not even six years old, I bet. And uh, Graham was nine-ish. This might have been 91. You think? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I think it might have been 91. But well, anyway. But we'll anyway, yeah. And so I got. <clears throat> I was like, Dad, I want Goodfellas. And I had no idea what was on the, the CD or anything. And so I got it, turned it on, and it was all pretty much like oldies. Yeah. You know? And I was like, ah, oh, okay. And, but then, like, it's years, great, though. Yeah, but then years later, I actually listened to it, and it's a great soundtrack. It's a great... Uh, you know, they assembled 12 songs for it out of the hundreds of songs you hear in the movie, and it's great, uh, 12 great songs. But now, if you go to Wikipedia, you can find every song that's in the movie yeah. and when it was played, and it's just unbelievable. But, you know, of course, you don't get uh, Jump Into the Fire by Henry Nilsson, <laughs> which I think is the best song on the album, or Monkey Man by the Rolling Stones, you know, during the, uh, the sort of coked-out early 80s period of the movie. I forgot my hat. Yeah. I don't fly without my hat. Yeah. But let's tell that story of uh, the Goodfellas story. Or you'll like this. Okay, so at the, so this was like early '91, I believe, and uh, and the Fox, the the one, of, there were two theaters in Tuscaloosa, the Bama Theater uh -huh. and the Fox Ten at the time, which was out at McFarland Mall. So um, Ben, who was I guess yeah about six years old, and I was nine. Uh, we, we wanted to see a movie that was playing there. It was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, mm -hmm. Secret of the Ooze. Speaking Shout out which. to Phil if you're still listening. Uh, 
So we wanted to see that, and Mom and Dad had no interest in seeing this film at all. Um, but they wanted to see Goodfellas, which was this critically acclaimed Martin Scorsese film that was out at the time and was playing at the Fox. So they thought, okay, we'll let our kids go see Secret of the Ooze while we see Goodfellas. Okay, but Goodfellas started about 30 minutes before Secret of the Ooze started. So they, we were pretty young. You know, I wasn't even 10. We were 6 and 9. And uh, <clears throat> so they said, okay, guys, y'all can just come into our movie and you know wait with us and then go to your theater. So Because we don't want you sitting in the theater for that long by yourselves, whatever. Um, and we, neither of us had, had been allowed to see an R-rated film at the theater, uh, prior to that. So this was the first time that either of us had been present in an R-rated theater. Okay, so, so they're like, all right, whatever, yeah. So we go in and, uh, sit down. Warner Brothers title comes up, you know, and, uh, and they're all these three gangsters driving along in a car. They hear a thumping and they pull over. They open it to see this bloody mess, and you know, then Joe, which Joe Pesci proceeds to stab over and over again and curse, <laughs> and then Robert De Niro takes out his snub nose pistol and lets a, a few, and we're six and nine years old sitting here watching this. I mean, this is like the greatest thing we've ever seen, <laughs> ever. I mean, you know. We we were they they our parents regulated what movies we were allowed to see pretty carefully and you know we I mean but they did not know about this they did not know that they didn't think that the movie was going to open with such strong violence and they were like go to your turtle movie <laughs> get out <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken uh, when our movie you know Goodfellas is a long film. Secret of the Ooze is probably in the 75-minute right. range. I would think so. Uh, and so we finished, and Goodfellas was still going. And I, if I can remember correctly, I think Mom had to leave. because She had to leave the Goodfellas Theater because it was so violent. So she, she like, came out and hung out with us when there were like there was, like, 45 minutes left. You know, I think it's when uh, she might have had to leave when uh, the... <laughs> You know, the the guy who bought his wife a mink coat had to be <laughs> executed. Right. Yeah. They find him in the freezer. Um But that was that was so I mean, just, just to be that young and to see that kind of you know, violence on screen was, was uh something that I I can never forget and I didn't see the the actual movie until many years later. I think the last thing we saw uh was it, like when we were at Goodfellas, they didn't just rush us out. I think the last thing we saw was when Henry, young Henry Hill, is at his mom's door and she opens the door and he's dressed in that suit and he's like, "Ma, what do you think?" Yeah, I don't. I, I remember that. Okay. Clearly, and she's like, "You look like a gangster," you know. Right. And uh, then I think we got escorted out. Yeah, I, I don't honestly, I, I don't recall anything beyond that opening scene. I think that I just kind of sat there and like maybe like looked at my hands and was just like, <laughs> I cannot believe I just saw that. That was incredible. Corey, do you recall your first R-rated theatrical experience? I think it was, uh, I think it was Air Force One. Air Force One? I think wow. so. I, I don't, I don't recall seeing an R-rated movie before that. I let my five-year-old see that movie. <laughs> I mean, like. In 1993, when I was like, I guess I was like seven years old, I was not allowed to see Jurassic Park. So like, oh god, I know, I know, it was kind of a bummer because I really wanted to see Jurassic Park because everybody I knew was seeing Jurassic Park, and I was not allowed to see it until home video. Um, 
but so, but in the, like four years between that and Air Force One, apparently the standards eased up, and I got to see well, you know, see that movie. My parents, like I was saying, they were pretty strict about what we what we saw and didn't see. They didn't want us to see a lot of violence and strong language and whatever. Um, so Ben, though, since he had an older brother, and Ben, Ben, you know, his interest in movies was there from like probably four years old on up, and we, you know, kind of learned about it together and whatnot, and so kind of. <clears throat> Since I was the older one, he kind of got grouped in with whatever I was allowed to and not yeah. allowed to see. So uh, finally, they caved, and um, the first full R-rated movie that that we were taken to see and were had permission to see was Terminator Two: Judgment Day. Nice at the Bama Six. And okay, so ninety-one, Ben, you were seven years old, I think. Probably or no, six, six. probably. You hadn't even it turned summer, seven. It was yeah. summer ninety-one. So Ben saw his first. Already a movie at six years old with, you know, accompanied by parent or guardian, six years old. I think that's pretty awesome. And I yeah. think, you know, and Ben, he lapped it up, you know. I mean, it, he was, he wasn't just like, this wasn't just like baby Einstein, like, you know, get something to, <laughs> to occupy his mind or his time. No, he was into it, you know. Yeah, and <laughs> as a matter of fact, Suzanne watched that movie at a very early age, too, on video, our sister. Mm-hmm. Our yeah. little sister. <laughs> she liked it a lot. She was like, this is awesome. Well, James Cameron knows how to connect with everyone. Yeah. All ages, all, you know, walks of life. Well, uh, look, guys, let's take a quick break, and we'll talk more about, it seems, whatever. <laughs> and I well, we've got this year in review CW. We can just go article by article. Yeah. Well, they already did that last week, I think. Um Corey couldn't see Jurassic Park in the theater. Man. I know. I think it Graham and I were seeing Indochine that weekend. <laughs> while you were while you were sitting at home wondering about Jurassic Park. He left us. He left us. But that's not what I'm gonna do. From Indochine, we'll be right back. Uh, this is uh, this is actually a shout out to my my dad, my co best man today, uh, Steve Flanagan. Uh, these next two songs, as a matter of fact, uh, I think he'll recognize both of them. Uh, but when we come back, we'll talk more movie weddings and really just more whatever. So uh, stick around. This is Aspect Radio. What do you think they do there? They don't drink milkshakes, I assure you. Ninety point seven. We're back. This is Aspect Radio, and uh, we're actually um, joined by my brother Graham today. Uh, from New York City and uh, Corey Craft, of course, and um, <clears throat> we're talking movie weddings because today I'm actually getting married to uh, my bride-to-be, Tess Foster, and uh, one time she was on this show, or a version of this show, many years ago, uh, the only time she ever appeared, and she came on to talk Snakes on a Plane. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and I wish I had re- uh, recorded that show, um, but she did a great job, and I always thought she would have been a good, she, she would have been great on the radio, she's... Super smart. She loves movies, television, and uh, she's got a lot to say about it. Um, but what you just heard was the first song was Spider from They Might Be Giants from their album Apollo 18. And uh, then you heard the Smithereens with the song Something New from their album. Do you know, Graham? Green Thoughts. Green Sorry, Thoughts. And those are two of, my dad's, two of our dad's favorite bands. Uh, and we actually, Dad and I actually saw They Might Be Giants uh, live in Birmingham at the Workplay Theater uh, not too long ago. It was a great show. And, uh, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. So um, I know that he's also seen the Smithereens. I think they might have even played Tuscaloosa. Yeah, we uh, we actually – that was one of my first concerts uh, that I ever went to was uh, 
Dad took me to see the Smithereens at Foster Auditorium. How was that? It was great. I mean, that, and it was a cool venue. Um, I actually actually saw a couple of shows there. My first concerts were at Foster Auditorium. Yeah. The, the only, other band was Guadalcanal Diary. Nice. The only <laughs> the only thing I really remember about the Smithereens, other than Dad playing it in his truck all the time, uh, was the dude here had a Chesterfield beard. And that's like, I remember thinking, I've never seen a beard like that before. And I, remember, I always associated Smithereens with Chesterfield beards. <laughs> thought it was pretty funny. And awesome jams. And what? Awesome jams. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, oh, Corey, you have a lot of followers on Twitter. Do I? How about a shout out for Corey's Twitter account? <laughs> what, what is your Twitter handle, Corey? It's uh, it's Yerock Y E R O C seven eight nine zero. So if that's really it's nonsense. A difficult uh, Twitter right. handle. Yeah, it's my name backwards, so that'll make it easier, perhaps. Seven eight eighty. Seven eight nine zero. Oh my god! So, uh, all, all the listeners out there who are on Twitter, <coughs> look me up. Because we I'm have our own Twitter uh, for the show, right? Yeah, we do have a Twitter account. Uh, it's at Aspect Radio. Um, you can find us. Uh, we're we're short on followers right now, uh, but I'm sure we'll build. Uh, you said at Aspect at Radio. Aspect Radio or Twitter.com slash Aspect Radio. One word. So you can find us there. You can visit our blog too at aspectradio.tumblr.com, T-U-M-B-L-R, where we post all our podcasts. Uh, <clears throat> but, you know, going back to the column this, uh, yesterday, because uh, much of this discussion on my end is based on that. It's identical. I opened it uh, with a quote from Woody Allen's <coughs> movie, uh, Midsummer Night Sex Comedy, which I know is a favorite of Graham's, and Corey, you're a Woody Allen fan. Yeah, so I, I really like that movie. Yeah, you're familiar. And uh, a character played by Tony Roberts is having a conversation with Woody Allen's character. And he tells him, marriage is the death of hope. <laughs> and he just goes on uh, for a while and talks about how he disagrees with marriage. He's kind of a fun-loving guy who likes to uh, get into, uh, you know, participate in illicit behavior uh, with no strings attached, I guess. With Julie Haggerty. With Julie Haggerty. Wouldn't we all like that? Um, but I thought that that was a, a hilarious line. Really, Ben? I mean, uh, I'm just saying. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of airplane fans out there. Uh, she was actually, true. She was funny uh, recently in the movie Just Friends. She was good in an underrated movie. Uh, but that's I just I love that line so much, and I think it might bother Tess that I like that line so much, especially today. And I'm sure when she read this, she was like, "Why did you quote? Why did you use that quote?" I'm like, you should read down where I'm like, I disagree with that sentiment, but I love it. <laughs> I thought it was well, hilarious. You know, I mean, his character says marriage is the death of hope, mm -hmm. and he's this uh, kind of philandering ladies' man. Mm -hmm. But that's all, it all comes full circle because by the end of the movie, he he does embrace long term uh, monogamy mm -hmm. and love for one person. So it was just his, his arc. He started out believing that, but then came around to, to thinking the exact opposite. Yeah, and that's one of Woody Allen's great movies about marriage, to me, in general. I mean, because, I mean, most of his films, these days especially, are going to be, and most of them, period, are about, uh, you know, philandering and just uh, poor relationships and extramarital affairs. Um, but that one, you know, you have these three couples who get away for a weekend and... Uh, uh, the New York countryside turn of the century and it's just there are all of these ideas sort of riddled throughout about marriage and uh, why it can and can't last and uh, why whether or not you believe in it and I believe uh, someone <laughs> Mia Farrow and Jose Ferrer are engaged right and they're yeah. about to yeah. get married and yeah. uh, Woody Allen uh, 
you know, he, he, he's doing his best because he's so enamored with Mia Farrow's character while he's married to a very attractive Mary Steenburgen. And it's like, look at what you got, buddy. I guess it's a, cl- a case of, uh, you know, the being uh, dissatisfied with your brunette who wants, you know, who, the kind of mousy brunette who uh, loves you so much and going after the, uh, you know, blonde, uh, the sort of new blonde thing and uh, I, th- I think that's really funny and even dates back to woody allen movies you know what i mean because that's that's such a high school cliche you know boof in teen wolf uh <laughs> i didn't know that that could inspire woody or which woody came first right yeah Maybe i that think that yes teen wolf. i think teen wolf was an it was the you remember the one was an obvious reference to the mary yeah. steenberger character do you remember uh do you, do you remember the uh the blonde's name in teen wolf uh, Pamela. Pamela. Yeah. Okay. Give me a second here. That's the Mia Farrow of Teen Wolf. <laughs> and Rick is the Jose Ferrer. <laughs> Rick, I used to chase your mama. I used, she used to steal chickens out of my backyard till I shot her with a shotgun. Blew her head off with a shotgun. <laughs> the bowling alley. <laughs> wow. Are you familiar with Teen Wolf, Corey? Vaguely, get, I probably saw it once. Get familiar oh, with it. You gotta see Teen Wolf. Any callers out there that have uh, that have any feelings they'd like to share regarding Teen Wolf, please call at three four eight nine zero seven zero. And honestly, if you want to drop your favorite movie weddings on us, you can call that number three four eight nine zero seven zero. We're open minded. We're open to hear what other people say. The lines are open. Yeah. <laughs> Three four eight nine zero seven zero. But just kind of going back down my list here, um, of course, you know the easy choice, like I mentioned before, is Father of the Bride. I went with the version from nineteen ninety one because I haven't seen the Spencer Tracy version. But I, you know, I remember this being not only a wedding movie but just a really funny movie. Uh, and this was the year after Goodfellas, <clears throat> so we refresh off of that. Um, but it's hilarious. It's just a great Steve Martin comedy. Very. Uh, uh, warm-hearted uh, for the PG crowd, really, and uh, another great narration, actually. Steve Martin does a great job, and, um, I mean, you've got that great supporting performance from Martin Short as Frank Egelhofer, the uh, the wedding planner, but uh, I, I liked it. The The sequel's okay, but I really I really do am a fan of Father of the Bride. What do you think, Graham? I loved it. Uh, you know, my probably my favorite part is uh, where uh, Steve Martin, who is the father, uh, the father, the titular father of the bride is uh, <laughs> is uh, trying to figure out how he can save money on uh, on the uh, the wedding and all the things leading up to it. And they say, "Let's have the reception at, at our favorite family restaurant, the Steak Pit." <laughs> and his son, played by I believe Kieran Culkin, yeah, Macaulay Culkin's brother, says, "Dad, I don't think it's a good idea to have the word pit." On the invitation, that's hilarious. That was one of my favorite lines from that movie. Was it? Yeah. Was it the re- the rehearsal dinner or the reception? Well, I think the, it was the reception. Yeah, yeah because yeah. the the father of the bride would uh, you know the bride's end is, is just where they're, you know the rehearsal dinner. But is then he has that fantasy. He has that fantasy of them in their backyard because I think uh, his daughter <laughs> brings it up, you know, uh-huh. and it shows them and they're having this like really modest barbecue, you know, where he's got his little chef hat on and he's serving. <laughs> burgers and hot dogs and he's like yeah we can just have a barbecue in our backyard you know a few hamburgers and hot dogs for the reception yeah for the reception and she's like uh that's not what we had in mind dad we want to spend thousands of dollars and yeah swans are you gonna have swans been today yeah are you guys have do you have swans we have a moat yeah uh no but i love it too because it's about 
it's about uh, how much of an expensive nightmare a wedding is through uh, you know a guy who doesn't have a whole lot of money's eyes you know and he's got to pay for this whole thing and it's hilarious and I love when he's on the phone with uh, BD Wong who plays uh, Frank's assistant you know and he's talking to him and BD Wong is like it's going to cost $100 a head you know and he's like oh, I'm sorry I thought you said $100 a head or whatever for the reception. And he goes, no, no, no. I said $200 a head. I, think, I just think it's funny because, you know, in that movie, he's, but yeah, like uh, he, Steve Martin and his family, they're supposed to be kind of like middle class. Yeah. But yet he owns this successful sneaker company. Yeah. I swear, man, like that filmmaking team of Nancy Myers and Charles Shire are so out of touch with what, you know, middle class yeah. life is. It's like every movie yeah. they do. I mean, Nancy Myers in particular, yeah. uh, if you've seen It's Complicated, a large portion of that plot revolves around Meryl Streep renovating her enormous kitchen, which is about the size of my apartment, yeah. uh, into an even more enormous kitchen, uh, and, and complaining that she's, fi- you know, she's finally getting the kitchen of her dreams, and I'm just like, oh my god. Yeah, no, they, this, this, her, they make movies about wealthy white people. Wealthy white people. These right. these are not you know, these are not like you know, the people that live next door to you or whatever. You know, this is and middle class Americana. These are, the, <laughs> and I just think that they, you know, for for that to be for Father of the Bride to be about like a middle class family, you know, trying to struggle with all the uh, the money that you have to pay for a wedding. It's like, dude, he owns a sneaker company. He like owns L.A. Gear. Yeah, <laughs> and they've got like that really super nice house too. You know what I mean? It's like this huge house in this nice neighborhood, and it's like, wow, they've really got it bad, don't they? Yeah. You know, it's kind of like uh, the box that movie. Yeah, yeah. Kind of reminds me of that where it's like they they're presented with this problem where it's like we could really use that million dollars. You know, we're always we're living from paycheck to paycheck, even though we live in this gigantic nice house, and my husband works for NASA and drives an awesome car. Yeah, and drives a Corvette. Yeah, you guys, yeah. you guys have it bad. You should kill somebody for a million dollars. Still an awesome movie. Yeah, that's great writing. Um, Still haven't seen it. So you, do you both recommend it? I I really like it. Ben, um, you don't recommend I it. I do not. I mean, hey, see it for yourself. That's what I say. See see the train wreck for yourself. It's it's what I like to call flawed but fascinating. Flawed but fascinating. It, it totally is, dude. And that's what I'd say about all of Richard Kelly's stuff. <laughs> I'm through with that guy. He's he's terrible. Um, the director of Donnie Darko. Yeah, and uh, Southland. Southland. Southland Tales. Yeah, he's the showrunner for Southland. <laughs> <laughs> Southland Tales. Southland Tales. Okay. Yeah. No relation to uh, the show Southland, I which wish. TNT knows drama. We know drama. <laughs> uh, well, Corey. Um, I mean, any more wedding picks? Yeah. Um. For a contemporary choice, I'd go uh, with the awesome climactic scene in the Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. Uh, just for a sheer Wes Anderson mayhem and, um, you know, knocking a priest down the stairs. Mm. And uh, uh, I, I love that movie, as I think has been documented on this show already. But um, but that scene in particular is just great. And, and especially after uh, Eli Cash crashes his car into the house and you have that great tracking shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, along the street where all of the characters get something to do and it sort of ends with um Ben Stiller finally emotionally reconnecting with uh with Gene Hackman's character. Mm-hmm. It's it's a wonderful wonderful scene. Great in a, in a great design. movie. Yeah. yeah. Is that is that would that be David Wasco? Yes. On that. Yeah. Um yeah, never for, nominated for an Oscar. 
Yeah, well, it'll happen. You know, I never thought that Elswit would uh, take home an Oscar. Well, the thing about David Wasco is that, that, you know, after designing all of Wes Anderson's movies, he had a home run with uh, Inglorious Bastards and was snubbed in the art direction category. Well, what can you do? I I don't know. I mean, what does this guy what does this guy have to do? People to, get snubbed to get an Oscar nomination. Just I mean, like even if he had lost, Look, you know, Stanley Kubrick never won a best director Oscar. That's true. Alfred Hitchcock never won a best director Oscar. They're just you know, and, and you know, I I think it's it's crazy for a direct, you know, for somebody to win best director and get up there. I just feel like you kind of have to say, wow, Stanley Kubrick never won a Best Director Oscar, but I did. You know, like Ang Lee. You know, it's just got to be tough for, for people to get up there and, and be aware of that. Ron Howard. For- yeah. Man, look, he deserved it at one point, just not for that. God. <laughs> it's like, but see, you know, how frustrating. For beautiful mind. How, yeah, well, how frustrating must it be for a filmmaker <clears throat> to make his best movie that probably deserves best director or best picture but for somebody else and Corey uh can hold his comment here if he feels if he feels like it uh out of respect uh when another filmmaker makes just a better movie you know uh that people are going to embrace more uh in Braveheart you know what I mean it's like you're not going to beat Braveheart at the Oscars and you shouldn't you know what I mean you shouldn't feel that bad about it you know because if you should just be that should make you feel good that you're in the same category with you know another great Filmmaker, great film. But I am kind of interested in Corey's hatred of Braveheart. I actually, you hate it? I don't. I don't. Hate, I kind of hate it. Are you Why? more of a Rob Roy guy? Uh, no, I actually haven't seen Rob Roy. That was the Dante's Peak volcano no, of that sorry, year. You're yeah. lying. Yeah, yeah. That was the the tombstone. Wyatt Earp. Wyatt Earp of that year. Right, right. Rob Roy and Braveheart in '95. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I, I hear I should see Rob Roy, if only for Tim Roth. <laughs> well. Yeah, I guess. I was a little let down by Rob Roy. Maybe I should watch it again. Um, do you have a pick for yeah, movie? Yeah, uh, Muppets Take Manhattan for the classic song, Somebody's Getting Married. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Somebody's Getting Married. Kimmy. <laughs> the greatest screen wedding ever, Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy. Where was, uh, you know, uh, at Ben's rehearsal dinner, they had uh, kind of a theme where they, at each table, they had a a, a screen grab from a famous film Uh with like a romantic couple, and then they had a photographer kind of recreate each scene. Yeah. You know, like they had a scene from Manhattan and Punch Drunk Love, and uh, It Happened One Night, etc. Where was Muppets Take Manhattan, Ben? This is Alabama. We speak English. Yeah. Maybe it's the businessman in me, but it saves money. It makes sense. Does it to you? God, your, your dramatic pause was about ten seconds too short. Sure, yeah. Those tests are going to be in English if I'm governor. <laughs> we speak English. If you want to live here, learn it. Learn it. Learn it. <laughs> our, our if I'm mu- governor, our mutual friend Phil Owen, uh, who is in Los Angeles, uh, says that that commercial has become something of a running joke in his office. Has yeah. it uh, made the Daily Show yet? I don't know. I, I didn't watch it this week. Uh, so. Surely it'll find its way. Yeah, on I there. mean Rachel Maddow took a shot at it. If I'm not mistaken, New York Times covered it. CNN covered it. 
I, I wish the SNL was new tonight so they could take a crack at it, but, you know. It's a rerun tonight? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think Betty White is Mother's Day is when she's coming that's back. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. right. So, what can you do? Um, I mean, I think you're going to be a little busy anyway. I don't, I don't know if you would have time I, to watch I, it. Yeah, I couldn't. Why? It'd be a long time. He has time to, you know, <laughs> to, to, you know, chat with you, <laughs> that's Corey. True. All right, that's true. I mean, I don't know. You know maybe, I should, maybe I'm not the best judge of what he has time for. <laughs> I was, I was talking to my friends, uh, some of my groomsmen the other day, and they were like, when are we going to play basketball this week? Because we all used to play basketball. And I said, well, I mean, ben, you know, I talked to a friend, Benjamin. I said, when do you go out of town? He says, I could leave on Sunday. And I said, well, I guess y'all could play Saturday night after the wedding. you know? And they are like, yeah, you mean, it's too bad you can't play. And I was like, well, I'll be in town. <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, if, you, if, you drive by, uh, if you drive by Calvary Baptist at like 1030 tonight and you see the lights on, there's a dude that just got married in there. What a lucky woman Tess yeah. is. I don't I don't know if I can if I can take it that far, but uh it, you know, as we're, as our time is running out, it's flying by. Um you know, I would just want to round out my list here. Uh I love the wedding singer. I really do. It's a great it's it's hilarious. I think it's still Adam Sandler's best pure comedy. Um, but the opening sequence is uh, terrific when uh, Sandler is singing You Spin Me Round Like a Record um, at this wedding reception. It just kind of sets up, sets the tone. But, I mean, what really what really makes it is uh, Steve Buscemi's best man speech that he gives at the reception, this kind of drunken uh, tirade he goes on about how, you know, his inferiority complex to his brother. <laughs> you know, where he lays into his dad. You know, and he gets, picks up the guitar, you know, and like, never had one lesson. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, in the whole, they'll be divorced in a year line. That was great. But I mean, one of my favorite parts about that sequence is uh, when Bashimi's up there and he's giving the speech and uh, he's got, you know, he's kind of jittery at first and then he's like pausing and then it cuts to Peter Dante out in the crowd you know the the pot dealer and yeah. grandma's boy and he's long haired in this and he's just like watching him he goes he just gives him a nod like hey man it's cool get, get on with your speech I'm listening you know and then Bashimi he nods back to him like I'm gonna do it buddy don't worry uh, but then an- another one for me is 16 Candles at the end of the movie uh, I thought it was a hilarious sequence uh, when Molly Ringwald's sister's on the uh, on the pills so to speak uh, very funny, and then uh, Napoleon Dynamite, the closing the, credit the, sequence. Yeah, you know, I yeah. thought that was just bizarre and funny. And Kip's song to La Fonda about technology is great. As uh, Napoleon rides in on his white seat, and yeah, Braveheart was on my list as Graham mentioned before. Um, but there's another one, and I, I can't remember the name. And Graham or Corey, you may know this. There's a hilarious sequence in this really forgettable movie, uh, starring John Candy, Meg Ryan, and Eugene Levy. Summer rental? No. Is that ringing any bells, though? Anyway, somebody's getting married. I think it's Meg Ryan and somebody else. And Eugene Levy is uh, the the videographer for the wedding. And he has all these very elaborate setups that are being done where he's, like, on a, on a, like, on a, he's doing these tracking shots. He's on a dolly, and he's just making it very uncomfortable for everybody in the room except for him just so he can get his shot. And it's, it's like, comic genius in this otherwise really horrible 80s comedy. I know uh, Brendan would know. <laughs> Our friend Brendan, who yeah. you know, formerly of uh, Capstone ninety point seven, right? You would know of the head rush. But yep. uh, anyway, as you know, as we're as we're winding down, do either of you have any more that you want to throw out there? 
Braveheart. <laughs> Braveheart, man. What a great film. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Corey? Uh, yeah, I'm going to throw out uh, Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Controversial, yeah. perhaps on this show. Okay. Perhaps a bit more controversial than it should be, but uh, but but yeah, definitely more than it should be. Because Kill Bill Volume Two is really good. You know, it was on yeah. TV the other day. It was on or it was on like IFC. Did you did you watch it and finally realize that it was actually a good movie? Well, I turned to it and it was the uh, you know it was the the fight between L Driver and the Bride. Yeah. You know, or as she is known in the film now as Beatrix Kiddo. What a great name uh, that was. It was better when it was bleeped out. God, thank God they bleeped it out the first time. Um, but uh, it was gr- the the scene is great when they're fighting. It's such a brilliant, uh, brilliantly choreographed sequence. But right before that, you hear this stupid monologue by Daryl Hannah as you know Bud is on the floor or whatever, and she's reading off what she got on Wikipedia, or I guess, or about the Black Mamba, and it's just like God, man. It was just so frustrating. How bad it was! No, dude, that's a great monologue because she she reads like all of these unnecessary facts about the the, the snake, and then she gets, you know, the part about the venom, and she's like, and, and here's the part that mm-hmm. pertains to you, and she, just right. that line right. is just awesome. Right. It's just like a great Quentin Tarantino moment. I don't really understand like the dislike. Well, I think you, you summed it up when he said unnecessary. All right. Well, look, you can make that argument about a lot of Quentin Tarantino activity post Jackie Brown and pre Inglorious Bastards, but um, or actually even post Inglorious Bastards, probably we'll, we'll see. Yeah, well, maybe uh, you know. Uh, but he's got uh, nothing in the works right now, right? No, uh, not that I know of. He's but, doing um, his thing. Well, uh, Corey, um, let's let's you know that that rounds out my wedding stuff. Unless you want to talk about Rachel getting married or something. <laughs> You can I really love that movie. Now's and that your chance. did not occur to me to bring that up. Well, Rachel Getting Married is a fine motion picture. <laughs> Graham, any uh, any any more from you, other than Braveheart? Oh uh, no, just yeah, maybe one more. The nineteen ninety five Best Picture winner, Braveheart. <laughs> See it, God. Graham. You're a big Woody Allen fan. Are there any uh, other than you know the really kind of funny, dry, dryly executed ones in Match Point? Uh, are there any Woody Allen weddings that you liked? Yeah, I mean, uh, Broadway Danny, Broadway Danny Rose. Uh, <laughs> they uh, they kind of jump out to to New Jersey. Um, uh, Mia Farrow's character is is recommended to to go out by her psychic to go out to New Jersey to this really hilarious uh, stereotypical uh, Italian wedding full of gangsters and maybe a nod to. The Godfather, because uh, it was uh, that film was shot by Gordon Willis, right. <laughs> who also was the cinematographer on The Godfather. So it was kind of like a uh, you know um, satirical take on on the wedding that he shot and made famous a few years before Broadway. Danny Rose, yeah. If you want to talk about Woody Allen mm-hmm. uh, weddings, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, um, uh, Corey, I mean, let's let's go ahead and. Uh, jump into the DVD picks. Sure, uh, um, if you want to just throw some out. I there. mean, kind of, kind of another slow week. I'm not going to recommend. It's complicated because, uh, I mean, frankly, it's not complicated. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> that's my Gene Shallot moment of the morning. Uh, but uh, 
Terry Gilliam's movie, uh, The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, came out this week, uh, which I really enjoy. It's a good-looking movie. Um, and that's another one, if you have a Blu-ray player, you should check that out in high definition. You're sitting next to somebody who loves It's Complicated. So, Graham, do you, oh, care, big fan. Do you care to retort? <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I'm a big fan of that film. Um, I think it's a major improvement over uh, the overlong and kind of sadly overdramatic Something's Gotta Give, which I mean, yeah, had a lot that. of promise. But I think that, that Alec Baldwin is so good, and it's complicated. And I think yeah. he should have gotten nominated for an Oscar for it. Uh, I would have voted for him. Hmm. And um, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of that movie. I think that the, 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 you know, they, they make chocolate croissants in the movie, and it takes right. about seven minutes. I think that's a little too long. But, uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of It's Complicated. Well, and before we just completely ditch the wedding conversation, uh, my sister, Suzanne, uh, who's in the wedding today, and uh, our good friend, uh, Mary Scott Spigner, they wanted to throw their picks out there. They say, Princess Bride. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good Corey, one. Or you might have mentioned that I mentioned the other that a day. couple. Yeah, I mentioned yeah. that uh, on Thursday uh, in asking if we should even uh, bring that up because I think that's a, that's a, I mean, an obvious choice, like, like The Godfather. Uh, Peter Cook's clergyman with uh, this horrible list yeah. uh, is one of the more memorable scenes well, in the movie. And they throw out My Best Friend's Wedding from, uh, what was that, 97? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 27 Dresses. Was that your first Blu-ray that you bought? <laughs> <laughs> I actually did, you know, I, I did see that movie. You actually did buy that? No, I, I, I didn't buy it. I, I have seen it, though. I've seen it, too. I actually watched Mary Scott's copy of that, so thanks, Mary Scott. <laughs> thanks a lot. Um, and, uh, Corey, you said that was your Gene Shallot moment? Uh, no, your Gene Shallot moment was when I looked at you. <laughs> I'm just going to just craft my uh, my mustache. Uh, for the Clash of the for Titans! The- More like Trash of the Titans! <laughs> I'm going to write a whole list of these for the next show and uh, just really go to town with it. Nightmare on Elm Street! Emphasis on nightmare. <laughs> it was a nightmare for the audience. <laughs> so, so Corey mentioned that he's gonna um, kind of as a preamble to the wedding today, maybe check out the new Freddy film. I'm thinking about it. Well, uh, and you know, Corey also has something to say as we approach the fifth minute of this hour. This is Corey Kraft from the Movie Talk Show. You're listening to WVUA ninety point seven <laughs> FM, the Capstone, Tuscaloosa. Um, yeah, there you go. And so, Corey, I mean, so are you going to do it? Are you going to watch it? Are you going to go see it? It's going to make $40 million this weekend. I really? Yeah. Oh, God, I don't want to contribute to that. Yeah, just, uh, Nikki Fink had her own Gene Shallot moment where she said, Nightmare, a dream. <laughs> now, Corey, you've contributed to a lot worse than That's the true. Nightmare on the Elm Street, I'm sure. Like uh, like kick-ass. Whoa. Oh, man. Uh, Not or, maybe I'm I enjoyed. Sh- yeah, or the Legion Midnight Show. Oh. I didn't go to see Legion at Midnight. I saw it at a Friday matinee. <laughs> The day it came out. Jeez. <laughs> uh, I'd lead a sad life. Uh, my, yeah. my DVD yeah, pick. Pandorum. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> did you drive to, did you drive to Nashville Pandorum. to see Pandorum? <laughs> I drove to Houston to see Pandorum. <laughs> I bet Phil Owen probably did. Um, <laughs> no, my DVD pick, uh, finally, after a, a very long wait, they should put it. They, they should now label it as excruciatingly long wait on Netflix. Uh, Whip it finally came. Uh, I'm five minutes into it and I really like it so far. <laughs> well, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, the first five minutes are pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Because they play Kings sure. of Leon, Corey. I do they. They do. They uh. play like a few seconds of one of their songs that we actually played quite a bit here on ninety point seven. Called "Knocked Up" is the name of the song. 
Um, Corey's uh, putting 27 dresses back in his Netflix queue. Yeah. Uh, you got to rewatch to appreciate the subtleties. Yeah, but uh, you know, let's let's go ahead and wrap up. I mean, Graham, unless you have a DVD you want to throw out there. Well, uh, I um, I got uh, I can't wait to uh, watch the Blu-ray of the Adventures of Robin Hood. The uh, was it 1939? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Ma- I think so. Michael yeah. Curtiz, the director <laughs> of Casablanca, directed it. Um, can't wait to watch that. I got that as a a, a birthday gift from Ben. So thank you for that, sure. and I look forward to jamming that out on the Blu-ray. Well, and um, a- actually, um, Graham, as a wedding gift to me, uh, he he uh, threw some of his hard-earned CNN bucks down and uh, supplied me with my new Blu-ray player. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, also your starter DVD. Yeah, uh, Star- Blu-ray. Star Trek is my nice. first Blu-ray, nice. and that's a pretty nice way to start it. Yeah. I'll, tell, I'll tell this very quick story before we leave. Uh, and the way he gave it to me, uh, he he thought long and hard about this, I'm sure, and had his plan. Like he, he just gave me and Tess a DVD, you know, yeah. and uh, we unwrapped it, and it was Star Trek and Blu-ray. And I was like, Star Trek on Blu-ray, and he goes, Ah, oh, crap! Did I get you the Blu-ray <laughs> edition? I meant to get you the standard. Sorry about that. Let me let me go get the receipt really fast. I feel really dumb about this. And then he comes back in with his big box and is like, This is your receipt. <laughs> and it was the Blu-ray player. So that's awesome. Well, why don't we uh, do this on the air? Okay. Yeah. Let's do this. All right. Um, Graham actually told me about his intended gift, so I got you a little something too. No way. Yeah. Um, I know you like this movie a bunch. Holy crap, This is a, a Blu-ray of Steven Soderbergh's Traffic that I'm now holding up to Ben. So, congratulations. Corey, no way, man. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah. God. I figured you'd enjoy that. What a surprise. So, congratulations on your big day, and I hope you enjoy this movie. God, now I feel like I should invite him to the wedding, Graham. <laughs> I mean, I feel kind of bad now, but... Uh, <laughs> I'll take the gift, uh, but no, thanks a lot, Corey. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. And Graham, thanks for the Blu-ray. Uh, to, that'll let me watch Traffic. Yeah, one of my favorite movies yeah. uh, ever on Blu-ray. Hell why are the uh, Why is the plot description in English and French? Yeah, it appears to be a Canadian copy. Oh, but it'll okay. play on your Blu-ray. It's a Region Five DVD. <laughs> I, I didn't realize that until after I purchased it. Movie Stop got apparently a shipment of um, well-priced Canadian Blu-rays. Oh, nice. <laughs> so uh, what can TMI. You <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, you know that is that is unfortunately. And on that note, again, I'll say thank you to both of you. Uh, I have somewhere to be now. I can't <laughs> stay here much longer. And uh, so on that note, we'll go ahead and call this a day. Thank you all so much for listening to us. I'm sorry I did this today. I should have been uh, concentrating on more important matters. Uh, but please do join us. We will be back next week. Uh, so thanks again. This is Aspect Radio. Join us next week, 90.7, 9 a.m. See you then.